0: Oh, man, you remember 1989? Oh, we're going to have a good time here. It's the Overnightscape Central. I'm P.Q. River, and uh, this is the Overnightscape Underground. Perhaps one of the most amazing collectives of uh, monologists. Oh, what a word. It, it sounds so it's bumpy. I'm a monologist. Well, we talk a lot here, and we rample and rumble and... Uh, speak on different topics just about each week, most of the time every week. Last week, well, uh, fate intervened, but this gave me an opportunity to jump in, skip a week, I'm sorry, uh, and get us back, uh, we would normally... For many years, this was a Monday night affair. Then it moved to a Tuesday night affair, and it was slowly slithering uh, into Wednesday and beyond, and I figure an attempt at uh, grabbing the reins on time itself Time has been really weird, the last couple of months especially. And uh, pull this thing back into regularity. And uh, also on the site, if you didn't check out that uh, exit ramp, uh, yesterday, uh, with everybody that there ever was just about, although, uh, well, not quite everybody, but it it was huge, and over five hours and more, 70s movies following up on our, uh, uh, show on that here a few weeks ago, Uh, good stuff, uh, I was there for three hours of it, and it was a, a splendid time, uh, to say the least, and uh, we've got lots of goodies here, including a surprise and not really related to 1989 surprise, but I think it belongs here. So in any case, let us get the ball rolling and uh, see what we can do about 1989. And We'll start things off with our friend Doc
1: Slees. 1989, well, you know, I'll be quite honest here. um, I couldn't really tell you much about 1989 off the top of my head, <laughs> I can tell you I was 25, I can tell you where I was working, um, I was still working, um, for the Ministry of Defence as a, as a logistics manager, but about to change jobs and, um, move up to and um, you know take up a post in whitehall in uh, intelligence analysis um again for the mod but you know details are all hazy um i can tell you at least one of the films i saw that year at the cinema was was the bond film license to kill with timothy dalton second and last Coincidentally, there's a film from 1989 showing on the television right now on on one of the streaming channels called Jewel of the Gods, which is a hugely obscure South African made um, Indiana Jones knockoff made by the man who gave us the Gods Must Be Crazy series of films. If you've ever encountered those. But, But how different, I thought to myself. It was 1989 to now to 2022. Um, I thought what better way to look, let's have a look. It's some um, some British TV adverts from 1989. Let's see, not necessarily what we were buying, but what we were being sold, what we were being told we should be buying. And um, is it really significant from what I'm seeing in the ad breaks today? Although I must admit, I tend not to see so many ad breaks today. Um, partly thanks to streaming television and partly, um, and partly thanks to me recording things and fast forwarding through the ads. And the fact I don't tend to watch um, our main commercial channel, ITV, a great deal. Um, for the simple reasons, there's never anything on it I want to watch. But anyway, look. Without further ado, let us get on with the first of two batches of these ads. These are from, I believe, according to the person who posted them on YouTube, and I've sort of taken and edited the soundtrack. These came from Thames Television from, I think, late in 1989.
2: This is the day, the waiting is over, the whole of the crew must now work as a team, no turning back, you're in this together.
0: There's all the goodness of milk, glucose, malt
2: and thick, thick chocolate in a Mars. A Mars. A sensation, a wheat and raisin celebration. All right, in A perfect square, the taste of something beyond compare. Kellogg's Raisin Flips, we really like it there. Season in the middle, yes. Kellogg's Raisin
3: Flips. My sister's a greaser.
2: It makes her prone to spot. Her cosmetic cleanser just isn't enough. But Clearasil cleanses pore deep to remove twice as much grease, and helps prevent spots. Now she uses it every day, it's really made a difference. Maybe it's gone too far. Spot the
1: difference Miracle. with Clearasil. Victor? Good afternoon.
2: I wonder how often we've washed this?
0: 27 times. Are you sure? I never forget a shirt. Well, how's it stayed so new-looking?
3: Whisk, of course. whisk Gloopy. Thick. And better than thin liquids of lifting dirt clean out of these cotton fibres.
0: So it can't settle back on the shirt, and it stays... Brilliant.
2: Thanks, Victor.
0: It was nothing. Uh, Are you doing anything tonight?
2: Sorry, Victor. I'm washing my hair. And you're washing these.
0: Whisk.
4: Technically speaking, it's brilliant. Madonna, when you call
2: my name, like the freshest album of the year, Like a Prayer, with Express Yourself, me and Cherish. Cherish the ball, the ball you, oh, baby, I Her freshest album yet, Madonna, Like a Prayer. Soon, the 10 water and sewage businesses of England and Wales will be offered for sale. You can apply for shares
0: in your local company or any of the others. Register now and incentives could be yours. But the opportunity won't
2: last forever. To register for a prospectus, call 0272 272
0: 272 272.
2: If you're a first-time buyer, call into any Halifax Building Society branch and we'll give you something to make you more comfortable in your new home. One percent of our rate for Easy Start mortgages for the first year.
0: Wallpaper stripping has always been a tough challenge. Now there's a new Black & Decker steam stripper that'll help you steam off the toughest wallpaper. Faster, cleaner, cleaner. And easier. So if you're not already using one, you've probably got some catching up to do. Get your hands on the new wallpaper stripper from Black and Decker. Tough tools, but tough jobs.
2: Brilliant! You look awful! And dandruff too, nice touch. I wash my hair every day, and if I used a dandruff shampoo, I'd end up looking like Kevin. Well, is this new head and shoulders frequent? Try it. My hair's so soft, it's frightening. (laughs) New Head and Shoulders Frequent.
3: Let me put it this way. If it isn't here Thursday, none of us will have jobs on Friday.
0: Don't worry. It'll be there. When you need something overseas fast, call Datapost. With experts in over 100 countries, every delivery is guaranteed. And it's carefully timetabled to arrive right on
2: time. It's here.
0: When you're depending on it, data post it.
2: The Atari 520ST has twice the power of many business micros. It handles business with ease. It can paint pictures and make them move. It can play advanced games.
0: Yet it costs less than 300 pounds or get the new 520 power pack with 23 great software titles.
1: of earth, air, fire, and water, Creda draws inspiration, form that blends, surfaces that last, a sense of timing that defrosts and roasts, that
2: washes and dries automatically. Creda,
0: living technology.
2: Ah, Café Haag. Yes. Smells good. Mm, tastes all right, too. Café Haag is naturally decaffeinated for a richer, smoother flavor. Enough for two. Yeah? yeah. You're absolutely right. Café Haag. When coffee tastes this good, who needs caffeine? The best thing in our life? Meet the future captain of England.
0: The next best thing the team bus now there's a brand new ford fiesta with five doors more space for the players a better manager's office and it's even available with anti-lock brakes we think it's the best small car in the world could it be the next best thing in your life
2: Now? these clothes now yeah now. Yes, sir. are you sure you know what you're doing personal automatics advanced formula attracts the dirt and holds on to it leaving your clothes outstandingly clean Oi, I'm, I'm just... I know, you see. So personal automatic for dirt
0: it's the fatal attraction
2: until recently, high performance and family cars were stuck with the same unleaded petrol, but many performance cars lost power because of it. BP was the first to offer drivers a choice. Unleaded for most cars, and super green for high performance cars. BP Super Green for cars which don't need lead, but need four star performance. Oh, yeah.
0: BP on the move.
2: You're going nearly, mate. Hot to be carted off to a life of endless marching up and down. Yeah. Putting well, great piles of stuff. Yeah. And getting stylish haircuts.
0: Yeah. For free. And yeah. oh, quiet walks. We're charming people. Yeah,
2: the last thing we wanted to do is join the army.
1: Uh, Great, Uh, I'll ring you, sir. Uh, Sergeant.
2: First, we want you to find out what it's really like. Done in then. There's no obligation. Silly not to. All you have to do is come through the door.
1: Okay, bit of explanation, possibly needed for a couple of those which didn't come over so well in sound-only format. Um, Well, one in particular, the um, "Take My Breath Away." Was actually a car ad. It's for the Peugeot 405, um, which um, at the time, I forgot at the time, it was a, it was a newish Peugeot mid-range model. Um, Their equivalent to the Ford Sierra. Um, I can't say I've ever driven a 405. <laughs> I did drive quite a few 406s, which was the model that succeeded it a few years later in the, um, I say a few years, about 10 years later in, in the Peugeot range. They were quite nice cars actually, 406s for the, for the day. Um, interesting tell us about the life cycle of cars. I can't remember the last time I saw a Peugeot 405 on the road in use and yet they sold lots of them I remember they sold loads of them it used to be very popular for use as uh, taxis and, and private hire vehicles at one time um, I remember in the early 2000s you could still see quite a few of them on the road by then they were just second-hand cars so they say the 406s superseded them and then you saw lots of 406s um, Because like the 405s, lots of those were were, were bought as fleet cars and then sold off into private ownership. Again, I can't remember the last time I saw a 406 on the road, even. There you go. I do occasionally see a Ford Sierra, which is its um, rival from Ford. I used to own a Ford Sierra at one time, actually. They're nice cars. But yeah, that's what that advert was about. And, you know, it was... uh, feature the car driving alongside a a, a, um, a burning field. <laughs> Very dramatic.
0: Ooh, I like where this is going. And and yeah, the, the cars, they, they one minute, they're just everywhere, and it's almost like they have a ticking time bomb in the minute, a certain time. Uh, this is going back a ways. In the 70s, there was something called the Subaru Brat, which was like a mini utility vehicle type it was like a small car that was like a pickup truck kind of it was weird and it was very popular and people bought them and that uh, in within two years you just never saw them again so they must have been pretty uh, dismal uh as far as performance because like those pacers the amc pacer gremlins you, you still see a stray gremlin Pacers, no, nah, they're gone forever and ever and ever. Uh, the, the, all these ads. They, in the United States, we had a harder edge, if I'm remembering 1989 correctly. Uh, these it, It's kind of floaty and easygoing and, 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 and a sense of well-being and good things happening uh, in the UK, or at least that's what they're pushing. Um, it's they are ironic i mean this has nothing to do specifically with 1989 uh... but uh... frankie lyman uh... just being co-opted completely to sell what a washing machine or some detergent or something and what a tragic that poor guy they recorded that song as a kid and uh, years later there's footage of him lip-syncing to that same record uh the, the former child star that poor and and died of bad drug abuse um yeah the story of frankie lyman it, it almost parallels michael jackson except there wasn't the big big fame but yeah, that the the young star who just it didn't work out so good in the long haul uh and the, the the army it it sounds like the army was like high tea or something over there it's just oh come on in through the door uh, look around ah yes we're having jolly conversation here oh no there are nothing nothing alarming like explosions or blood or your friend's entrails in your lap no 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 no, no. we're having a jolly time <laughs> oh boy uh yeah we're having fun here on the central already
1: couple of Famous um, uh, people, UK people turned up in those ads. The greaser sister in the Clearasil ad um, was played by Patsy Palmer, who subsequently became a household name here um, for playing Bianca in EastEnders the soap opera um she's done several lengthy stints at EastEnders and still occasionally comes back but um she was married to Ricky which will mean nothing to anyone outside the UK who hasn't seen EastEnders she always used to shout the Ricky and uh (laughs) her presence is still felt on Elbert Square in EastEnders because um one of her sisters Sonia is is still a regular character in it, and um, and adopted daughter Whitney is still a regular character. Indeed, only the other a no, week, uh, Whitney apprehended a murderer after having a fight with him on a railway bridge. Don't ask. Uh, <laughs> he wasn't just a murderer; he's a serial killer. These three three characters, he he would happily disposed of for the um, producers who, who wanted to axe them. The other famous to us <clears throat> voice you will heard there was, of course, the voice of Victor, the talking washing machine in the Whisk advert, was Michael Gambon, who did a lot of voiceover work back in those days. Nowadays, of course, most people know him as Dumbledore Mark II. Back then, he did a lot of voiceover work um, on adverts. He still occasionally does. It's good money. Back then, actually, it's interesting there isn't one featuring him, which is odd. But back then, the king of um, voice advert voiceovers was probably Tom Baker. Um, Tom Baker and Christopher Timothy were, were the, uh, another actor, well-known UK actor, who was in All Creatures Great and Small, played James Harriet, And, um, of course, was also had a stint in EastEnders. He was another one who used to lend his voice to a lot of our adverts. Getting back to Victor, the talking um, the talking washing machine. The product he's advertising, the whisk, is another one of those products are no longer available. <laughs> vanished. It's one of Lever Brothers' range of um, washing detergents that is vanished. Lever Brothers have still have a lot of their detergents in the market. Uh, what's interesting is also some of the types of adverts there um there's madonna's album being advertised now there's something you, you don't see advertised in certain uk ad breaks now is music of any kind because of course the way we consume music has changed completely it's really pretty it, you know people don't go and buy albums physical albums like they used to uh, physical cds like they used to it's all streaming and downloads now this is the way in which music is consumed in this country. So yeah, yeah, um, that's interesting. The car ads are interesting. There's, you still find car ads on UK TV, but of course, increasingly, interesting 1989, they often used to emphasize that cars ran on unleaded because unleaded was new in the UK then, relatively new. Um, nowadays, it's focusing even more upon the green credentials of any car, any vehicle they're advertising. Nowadays it's hybrids and electric cars. Now um, uh, the predominant types of uh, road vehicles advertised on TV. But hey, let us move on to our second slab of soundtracks. These are from Again, Channel 4 in 1989. Ready?
2: Almost. Relax. You're doing fine. You're not doing so bad yourself. I assure you, it's all down to good investment. Have you used Friends Provident? Friends Provident? I'm not in that league. Still saving. They could help you do that too. Look, you should see a specialist. Oh? It's only my financial advisor
0: friends, Provident. Of course. We've grown big by being recommended.
2: See what we got to eat. Oh, Pines lunch bowls, eh? Looks like we're in luck tonight, fella. Lamb casserole, beef goulash. Oh, chilli con carne. Just think, real minced beef, rice, beans, peppers in a spicy sauce. Place in microwave for two minutes. new Heinz lunch bowls great idea if you've got a microwave Oi Raffles! How are you? Well who did you expect? Dixon of Doc Green? Shush! I can't! I am hungry! Quiet or we'll both be in the Ah, uh-huh. Now you're talking here where's the kitchen? Oh. When your tongue is grumbling try a tasty bachelor's cup of soup special of chicken and sweet corn. Here, looks like you've been rumbled. <laughs> Keep your tummy quiet with a bachelor's cup of soup. Golden coated breast of chicken, delicious mayonnaise, and fresh, crisp iceberg lettuce. All in a specially shaped, lightly toasted sesame seed bun. Make your day, make your way, to the sand and sand welcome, new McChicken Sandwich makes your day. The new McChicken Sandwich. It's why people cross the road. Now my latest little venture... Is selling garden gnomes. We'd love to buy one, says this bloke, but first we need a home. They
0: should have a Leeds mortgage. The Leeds have deals for everyone, large borrowers or beginners. They do more types of mortgages than you have had hot dinners. The Leeds will meet their needs. They can lend you up to 100% or up to three and a half times your pay. They can raise the cash quick as a flash. The money's yours in days. Right, back to business. I'll have a garden, no,
2: he says. It's for my dear love, Jillian. I got misled. I thought, he said, I dearly love a million. My hearing's not what it was. I said
0: they're rather elegant. They add a touch of class. And looking on the bright side, son, you need never cut the grass. The leaves for all your mortgage
2: needs. Call at your local branch.
0: Are you satisfied with your detergent? Can you rely on it to get rid of everyday dirt and stains in your wash? Good. But are you absolutely sure your wash is completely clean? Can't you sometimes detect
2: a stale odor when you're ironing it? Why is that? Because the odors of sweat and cooking
0: cling to the fibers, your washing is not always as clean as it looks. Now
3: there's new Radian Automatic. A new detergent that removes dirt and odors even at low temperatures.
2: Radian removes dirt and odors. New Radian. Try it. Bourgeoisie. Rose. Bleu. Bleu. Rose. Bourgeoisie. Belle. Irrésistible. Belle. Bourgeois, bourgeoisie, dites-moi. Bourgeois, bourgeois, dis-moi. Bourgeois, dis-fais ce qu'il fait. Bourgeois. Fun, fashion and color. From Paris. Belle. Before he went away, the governor, he said, Julio, every Englishman's home is his castle. He said, you can't be too careful. There are a lot of villains about. So he called a man from Everest. Oh, and they come and fit these new high-security double placements. But one thing I don't understand. The governor, he have this beautiful villa here. So why he take his holidays in this benton villa? Fit the best, Everest. If you want things to last, you've got to take good care of them. Breakfast, Jack. Jack thinks I'm giving him these new Kellogg's Common Sense Oat Bran Flakes because they're crisp and tasty with raisins and apple. But according to recent medical evidence, a low-fat diet that's high in soluble fibre could actually help reduce your cholesterol level. Reduce your cholesterol level. I'll get your socks, love.
1: Anne thinks I eat these because they're tasty. But according to recent medical evidence
2: soluble Kellogg's fine... new common sense oat bran flakes deep down you know it makes sense good for a few runs yet mate catch the lot! catch this well at college.
4: He'll be all right. Anyway, means more fast.
2: Well, he's in the big wide world now. He's got to learn. Pity this is his favourite meal. Stop it. Why did you learn to cook like that? Search me. Pride, simplicity. Take everything in your
4: stride. Glenn Rothes, five. Good for
2: business, great for life. meat taste as fresh as the day they were cooked. Look, I want to talk to the chairman. On the, course. On the golf course, more than likely. Who's
0: he? Who's he playing with? The engineer, I suppose. He's supposed to be here at ten o'clock. Listen. When your chairman has quite finished improving his handicap, you tell him from me, if he don't put his finger out, he's going to go burn him an handicap. Look,
1: I've already told one bloke today how to improve his business. Who? Who? Robert Evans, that's who, as in Frank Evans, the new chairman of British
0: Gas. He sent me a questionnaire, it's all in plain English, asking me how I'd improve things
2: and what gets up my nose. Right now, my dear, you're top of the list. I know you don't work for British Gas. They wouldn't have you. Don't you cut me off. I'm warning you. Oh, no. What, next? Ah! When you receive your questionnaire from British Gas, please fill it in. Ah! You're the best person to tell us where we're going wrong, or indeed, where we're going right. British Gas. Banishing gripes. When Jack Frost makes a turn blue, we've got just the thing for you. Callipal heaters, all brand new. When you wanna get gas, get color Well, I'm the type of girl. For the incurably romantic Looking to create just the right impression Andrex presents a bouquet of new soft colors Including honeysuckle Cornflower blue And rose pink well, well, you know that I'm they and They're all so irresistible it's difficult knowing which one's to pick. A delicious hot chocolate drink. Hot Chalk from Horlicks.
0: There's now a unique kind of power saw that has dual action blades. So you get a controlled cut without clamps, with low vibration and no kickback. And with different blades, you get a cleaner, deeper, faster cut. Even on thermal building blocks, a tool that can bite into so much can only have one name.
2: The
1: Alligator
0: from Black & Decker. Tough tools for tough jobs.
1: Okay, another one there needs a bit of explanation. It's just simply from the soundtrack, it's not clear what they're advertising. Uh, up Where We, the, the one with the Up Where We Belong soundtrack was another car car advert, this time for the Rover 200 family. That's an interesting ad um, because, as were many British TV commercials at the time, it references and parodies a popular film, except it's actually they're taking in two different films. It's referencing with the soundtrack and to a certain extent, but it's referencing that, that with the soundtrack, that particular scene in an officer and a gentleman, with Richard Gere at the end, um, surprises Deborah Winger at the factory where she works and literally sweeps her off her feet and but the visuals in the ad are actually from the graduate. In the guy, we see him leap into his um, Rover 200 and drive to this church where a wedding's about to take place. And he drives through with dramatic landscapes, turn. they yeah, has to stop for trains to get level crossings for trains to come past and whatever. And of course, then rushes into the church and appears up on the balcony or whatever they call it up above like dust you know rather like Dustin Hoffman in the graduate as stops the wedding at the crucial moment before she says I do the bride says I do and she runs off with him and you see the annoyed reactions of the jilted groom and his and her father and whatever they drive off in his Rover 200 (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. It was very much of its era then, that, that, that ad. I'm not sure nowadays that style of ad would play that well. But it's, it's interesting for, for the parodying two different films in one, it makes those references. Yeah, um, and of course the Rover 200, I mean, it's nostalgic for me though, because Rover, <laughs> um were the last bastion of mass car production in this in this country of, of a british owned firm who were badly betrayed by government and british industry alike um they were sold to british aerospace who then in turn tried to sell them to um venture capital company or, or i like to call them asset strippers who uh but that was when there was a management buyer but in the end it was i can't i can't remember the order end up being sold to bmw who essentially closed the company down they still make the mini under the bmw auspices. is still assembled in this country but that's it you know um
0: In the back of my mind, I always sort of wondered what happened to Rover. Uh, Of course, the famous Gene Shepard ads for the Rover, where he he made up his own, Rover, Dover, Double Bover, Pipkins, both agree. Ah, yes, he was a good salesman for the Rover. He almost made me crave one, even though I've, I've never been a motor enthusiast. But back then, boy, they were really extending what a car Commercial was. I mean, it was no longer about the car. It was about image, which now, of course, has taken over almost all elements of uh, product in general. That Sanhara ad was just greatly weird. It was some sort of uh, perfume or something, uh, but it just. Yeah, there was something about the sound and the the Bachelor's Cup of Soup. I'm assuming that's a brand name, but that's also just an ironic brand name, especially as the 80s progressed. uh, Yeah, uh, for many numbers of reasons. And I am noticing a trend uh, that, that... the 50s oldies, uh, thrown into ads that had nothing to do with the lyrical content. It was just, these are feel-good songs, so you will feel good using this product, type of, uh, yeah, I never quite, but, uh, yeah, let's, let let's, Doc, got to, oh, there's only a little bit more, Doc,
1: I didn't have to jump in here at all. It was the end of British car making, effectively the end of a great um, British car-making name Rover because by that time Rover, it was called Rover Group and it encompassed, um, they, they had over the previous couple of decades absorbed various other British car manufacturing marks, Austin, Morris, uh, well, they were all reaching migrating into British Leyland. Um, and then that in turn, became Austin Rover and eventually rover group and that's very sad I mean the most profitable bits that were sold off elsewhere land Rover was originally a division of rover group and that was that's now owned by is it Tata in um, in India I can't remember anyway the various bits were sold off left right and center and uh, yeah but there you go Makes one wistful for the past. <laughs> As for the car itself, Rover two hundred that that generation of Rover two hundred actually wasn't a bad car. They were based on Hondas, um, so they're actually quite reliable and quite nice cars. Actually to drive, I have mean, driven it. driven in my time a few Rover two hundreds, and they weren't bad bad cars to drive. They were the two hundred. Remember right? It was yes, it was. It was at that point because they. shifted around their numbering system but at that time the rover 200 was rovers equivalent to like a a ford escort ford focus or voxel astra stroke opal cadet but yeah yeah (laughs) significant in that batch of adverts was the one for simplicity Women's sanitary t- towels. That was it was really unusual in 1989 to see an advert on British TV for women's hygiene products. Nowadays, um, every ad break seems to be full of them. Um, but then it was seen as taboo-breaking to advertise these things on TV. Yeah, you know, there you go. Uh, very interesting. And it's interesting if I compare that from my memories of the early seventies TV ads as well. Very different, very very different. In the early seventies, um, all sorts of things were advertised on television um, that, that that weren't, but even by nineteen eighty nine, weren't. Women's underwear is something I always remember as a young lad with absolutely no understanding of women's underwear. <laughs> Or anything to do. I mean, really, um, only the vaguest knowledge of female anatomy um, and things like you know, the the eighteen-hour girdle, things like that. These trousers <laughs> and used to, the young man, young lad, it, 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 prepubescent man, lad, it, it greatly mystified me these things. The playtex bra lifts and separates. I mean, it took me a long time before I understood the significance of that. You go, uh, it's um... <laughs> yeah, um, it is interesting. It's things like that used to be advertised back in the 70s and weren't by the 80s. Um, many more, in terms of individual brands, used to be advertised in the 70s, um, but by the 80s, not so much not so much. It was generally, um, when they're trying to establish new brands, they get heavy television promotion. Um, or if somebody else introduced a new new brand into that market segment, a new product a new brand in that market segment, then the existing ones would feel the need to up their advertising. Whereas the seventies was, it was, you know, it was just, um, Something they did to keep, it in, keep your product in the public eye there was, was, was the received wisdom then. You had to have television spots for them. Nowadays, of course, the big difference nowadays when I do see ad breaks is it is much more focused now on selling you services rather than actual products. Um, which probably reflects something about our society, um, the way things have changed here. It's uh, particularly financial services. Um, not that they weren't there in 1989. I mean, you did hear in that aspect. It's one of my perennial favorites. If you ever listen to my own podcast, you'll know. Um, I do like those Leeds Building Society adverts from the 80s featuring George Cole. You're the one there with the gnomes. George Cole, not, of course, playing Arthur Daly, the character he played on Minder for many, many years and which he's still this day most identified with. But a close relative, <laughs> small-time wheeler dealer. I, I do love those ads. And um, as I say, they feature George Cole, um, one of my heroes, uh, <laughs> a hugely underrated British character actor. One of our greatest character actors the post-war era, greatly underrated sadly missed as well now uh, he's gone but yeah getting back to the point yeah but it's done rather differently you on know, the financial but it's less mortgages they're trying to sell you nowadays because nobody can afford to buy a house these days the property prices um, it is financial services investing in ISAs um, debt relief oh that's another big one lots of ads on those depending which channel you watch Um, depending on what sort of demographic um, the advertisers think that a particular channel is reaching. So Channel 5 just seems a bit down market, carries lots of these ads for debt relief, that sort of thing. Um, Medical products and medical services also far more heavily advertised now than they used to be many many ads now in air breaks again it depends on the demographic I think it's an older demographic you will get lots of ads you will see lots of ads for private health care um hearing aids uh, you know uh, mobility aids um some of my favorite things it's like walking baths that's a great favorite of mine that they do ads for it's not my age i want one of those for it's just because i'm lazy <laughs> but it's more service orientated and all oh, oh, the ads nowadays for again again it's because of an asian demographic lots of ads for thing pain relief oh pain relief the ointments you rub into your knees or uh, pills, sprays, uh, massages, you name it. You name it. There's an ad for it for that sort of thing now. that does reflect an Asian demographic in this country. And also it's perceived that older people are going to be more likely to have money um, money and other assets. So yeah, so there you go. A little excursion there into the adverts showing on British TV in 1989 so uh, I say well back to you PQ
0: that was great and educational that I picked up a couple of uh, bits of, of uh, wisdom and trivia there um, but doc always brings up some like really cool and obscure fun facts so uh, I, I hope you too were able to appreciate that monology there over there and uh, i i wanted to mention uh, i i wrote madonna down here and i didn't mention uh madonna this was the i guess she was she really had a chance to be like an elvis or a beatles or and it seems like over the last 20 years there has been like this drop like a free fall i mean yes i'm sure she still has her fans and all but uh, she no longer has that super duper super stardom thing that she had uh you it could go a lot of ways many would say she may have overexposed herself literally and figuratively she sure made a lot of awful movies which probably didn't help matters and um I don't know I I was not the right demographic almost ever for her music except to appreciate it as you know that's a good radio single it doesn't annoy me too much it gets caught in your head on that level but uh Yet it, it, there's no function in my uh, musicology for most of the works of Madonna and uh, maybe I should do a little uh, listening in there because sometimes sometimes I've dismissed stuff uh, although I don't know in this case I'm dubious this is like when I thought I might have missed something by not listening to all of Kanye West and I sat down and listened to a bunch of Kanye West and I'm not going to do that to myself again but that's got nothing to do with 1989 and uh, next uh, here on the program we have Eddie from the wool gathering who this could be interesting and uh, more so like I said we have a surprise and uh, after we hear from Eddie uh, the surprise involves Eddie uh, well I mentioned it on the exit ramp we collaborated kind of on a song well no kind of he sent a um, demo of himself singing a song and I was able to uh, build something out of it and we'll be hearing that but uh, first Let's hear us. Let's uh, stick to topic, at least for the moment, because the song has nothing to do with 1989. It's just going here because this is the collaboratorium of all collaboratoriums. Uh, but uh, let's hear what Eddie has to say about 1989.
4: All right, 1989. Forgive my voice, I'm just over a bit of a flu here. bit of a major cold... Or a bit of a smaller flu, but uh, yeah, I still kind of have a little bit. But uh, 1989, um, since I didn't do movies last time, I'll do movies this time. Maybe I might have to just cough every few seconds a lot. Oh dear, all right, now let's see here. Um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, number one, Harrison Ford, Sean Connery, uh. National Lamp- Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I don't think I've seen that. So this is Top 100 Movies in 1989. Batman uh, with Jack Nicholson, Michael Keaton, Kim Basinger, Basinger. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I need these. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been a real sinus one, this one. That's look, uh look of all the exercises to release the sinuses. Um... Anyway, next here, we have Uncle Buck, uh, John Candy, Uh, Major League, I don't think I've seen this one, Uh, Charlie Sheen, I don't think I've seen that, Little Mermaid, Mermaid, The Abyss, I think that was like one of the first movies, maybe the second movie I saw in a a theatre, I didn't go to the cinema that much um, when I was a kid but that was one of the ones I really remember going to see um, anyway, Lethal Weapon 2 so that, that was directed by James Cameron, The Abyss and uh, Lethal Weapon 2 Mel Gibson, Danny Glover uh, Back to the Future Part 2 Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, Field of Dreams, Build It and They Will Come, Kevin Costner, Roadhouse, you know what, I don't think I've actually seen that. I've seen lots of references to it. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Glory, whatever, Glory, Matthew Broderick and Denzel Washington in Glory, you know what, I don't think I've seen that one either. When Harry Met Sally, uh, I guess a lot of these are on uh, VHS and you could rent them out, you know, uh, Blockbuster or whatever you had there. Parenthood, Steve Martin, Kickboxer, oh, what a great film, love that, love that movie there, Jean-Claude Van Damme, they're my favourite movies as a kid. Um, Dead Poets Society, Robin Williams, Lean on Me, Morgan Freeman, I don't think I've seen that either, you know, License to Kill. Bond film, Timothy Dalton, Uh, Weekend at (laughs) Bernie's. that's a funny one, isn't it, Uh, carrying a dead guy around, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Say Anything, John Cusack, Uh, Ghostbusters 2, Bill Murray, Uh, The Burbs, Tom Hanks, you know, I don't think I've seen that, I must go watch that, The Burbs, uh, Tango and Cash, Sylvester Stallone, Kurt Russell. Uh, Music Box, Jessica Lange. Uh, yeah. Okay, Music Box. Uh, The War of the Roses, Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner. Uh, do the right thing, Danny, ELO, Nancy Davis. Uh, mm. Not sure about that one. Uh, Pet Sematari. It looks like a spooky one, maybe. Look Who's Talking. Remember that with the babies? John Travolta, Kirstie Alley. Uh, Turner and Hooch. Tom Hanks, another Tom Hanks movie there in the same year. Uh, Steel Magnolias, Sally Field, Dolly Parton. Uh, always. Richard Dreyfus, Holly Hunter. In Always. Uh, that was directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, Black Rain, Michael Douglas, Andy Garcia. Uh, directed by Ridley Scott. Black Rain. Uh, number 36, UHF, Weird Al Yankovic. Okay, I don't think I've seen that. In Country. Uh, Bruce Willis, I may have seen that. Born on the 4th of July, Tom Cruise, I think I've probably seen that. See No Evil, Hear No Evil, great. Uh, was that? Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder, Kevin Spacey. <coughs> Scandal actors, John Hurt, Joanne Wally, Scandal. Okay. Uh, Casualties of War, Michael J. Fox, Sean Penn. The war movies were big then as well, right? And the Kung Fu movies. Everybody was Kung Fu fighting. Dead Calm, Sam Neill, Nicole Kinman. It's kind of a horror thriller, isn't it? Uh, who's Harry Crumb? John Candy and Jeffrey Jones. Okay. Great Balls of Fire. Dennis Quaid, Winona Ryder. Uh, Okay. Sea of Love, Al Pacino, Ellen Burke. I don't think I've seen that. Sea of Love, directed by Harold Becker. Uh, My Left Foot, Daniel Day-Lewis, directed by Jim Sheridan. Driving Miss Daisy, Morgan Freeman, uh, Esther Roll. Dan Aykroyd as well, uh, Jessica Tandy. Directed by Bruce Beresford. Kiki's Delivery Service. Uh, i what I think I watched. I've only watched that recently. I think I'm not sure if I watched the whole thing. Together, that's one of them. Uh, what do you call that studio? Animation studio Kiki's Delivery Service. Yeah. Uh, Sex, lies, and videotape. Number 49, James Spader, Andy McDowell, directed by Steven Soderbergh. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy, directed by William Shatner. Uh, Drugstore Cowboy, Matt Dillon, Kelly Lynch, uh, Fletch, Lives, Chevy Chase. Number 53, Next of Kin. Patrick Swayze, don't think I've seen that one. True Believer, James Woods, I don't think I've seen that either. The Fabulous Baker Boys, Jeff Bridges, not sure I've seen that. Harlem Nights, Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Danny Aiello, Michael Lerner, directed by Eddie Murphy, Harlem Nights. I don't think I've seen that either. Uh, The Punisher. Okay. We're 58. Henry V. Henry V. Henry V. Kenneth Branagh. Directed by Kenneth Branagh. 59. A Nightmare on Elm Street. Five. The Dream Child. My God, there was five of them. Unreal. Uh, Chances are Sybil Shepard, Robert Downey, Ryan O'Neill, Stuart Masterson, Christopher MacDonald. Chances are. Number 61, Crimes and Misdemeanors. Crimes and Misdemeanors. Number 61, Number 62, Enemies, a Love Story. Number 63, The Killer. 64, Family Business, 65, Fat Man and Little Boy, Uh, The Wizard, Fred Savage, Santa Sangre, Uh, Pink Cadillac, Clint Eastwood, Teen Witch, Robin Lively, Troop Beverly Hills, Lock Up, Sylvester Stallone, The Craddy Kid Part 3. Ralph Faccio. Godzilla versus Biolante. Okay. Number 74, Rogers and Me. Roger and Me. Guy Williams. Directed by Michael Moore. We're No Angels. Number 75, Robert De Niro, Sean Penn. Gleaming the Cube. Christian Slater. I love that because I was getting into skateboarding at the time. Mystery Train. Masatoshi Naga Nagasi, I, mean, I don't know what that one is, Let It Ride, K9, Jim Belushi, Shirley Valentine, uh, number 81, Friday the 13th, part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, Friday the 13th, part 8, my God, Meet the Feebles. Three Fugitives, were 83, Three Fugitives, Nick Nolte. Little Monsters, Fred Savage again. Shocker, Michael Murphy, Peter Berg. The Revolution, Francaise, franchise, Francaise. Jane Seymour, Christopher Lee. No Holds Barred, Hulk Hogan, Kurt Fuller. 88, An Innocent Man, Tom Selleck. A Dry White Season, 89. Donald Sutherland. Number 90, Cousins, Ted Danson, Sean Young, directed by Joel Schumacher. Number 92, uh, Police Academy 6. There was six police academies? City Under Siege. Wow, I didn't know there was that many. New York Stories, Nick Nolte, Heather McComb. 93, 94, Eddie and the Cruisers. Eddie lives 95 Jesus of Montreal Okay, whatever that is 96 She's out of control Tony Danza 97 Cheetah Keith Coogan I didn't see that either There's loads of them I didn't see here last three here 98 La Cue la Paso a Santiago Right, no idea what that is Number 99, Tarzan in Manhattan, Tony Curtis, Michael Schultz. And 100, the top 100 for the number 100 on the top 100 movies, 1989. Catherine Keener, Dermot Mulroney, uh, Survival Quest. There you go, Survival Quest. And uh, so that's the top 100 according to Ranker.com. And uh, forgive my voice there. The ones that I definitely want to go check out. I'll have to have, go through that list again and check some of them out, actually see which ones are streaming. Probably a lot of them are streaming nowadays since they're all 1989, I'm sure. A lot of them are out there. Glory, Matthew, Matthew Broderick and Denzel Washington. Uh, you know, what's the other one? Lean on Me, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, there's a few of them there that I... I haven't seen that, I probably would like to see. The other ones, I'm not so sure. They're in the top 100, there must be words. Oh, The Burbs, Tom Hanks, what's that all about? It was number 25 anyway. So there we go. Uh, Sorry about the voice, uh, but there we go. Back to you, PQ, 1989.
0: Man, that's going the extra mile, and uh, he may have even killed his voice uh, singing the uh, song that... Uh, we're about to hear momentarily. Uh, uh, just, uh, boy, 1989 was something. Uh, UHF, the only two movies that stand out there out of all those, uh, and I could comment on almost all of them, but the two that I will uh, point out, if you haven't seen it, UHF, which I am sure, no matter how good this dubious uh weird al yank I, i mean this weird al yankovich movie that is forthcoming sounds awful to me in almost every possible way but they could fool me i have a lot of respect for weird al especially because of uhf and because he has an incredible band and a marvelous uh ability of doing song parodies and his original stuff is of interest let's just say uh so UHF and Michael Richards, it, he does the performance of his lifetime in that film. So uh, you want to check that out if you haven't. And it's free in a lot of, I think it's even free on YouTube anymore. It's not. It, it has not become a valuable and rare thing. On the other hand, it might be a little tricky trying to see Santa Sangre which uh, is done by, of course, Roski, the same guy who did Magic Mountain and all those other uh, thrill-packed movies of that type. Um, anyhow, uh, let us uh, t- t- listen to uh, the results of the collaboration of Eddie and PQ. Like the
2: one lonely following its stick And you can't remember when You can't remember when You can't remember anything Anymore Like a long lost child A long lost child Who comes back to tell you what to do Well, it's been too long, it's been too long, and I can't remember who you are, and it's burned through the ages, it's come through the age, and I can't forget you leaving anymore. I can't forget you leaving. I can't forget you leaving. I can't forget you leaving anymore. Like the one lone leaf, the one lone leaf, the one lone leaf, following its stick, floating down the water floating down the water floating down the water through the sea and we're dancing in the mirror we're dancing in the mirror and I'll see if I can see it I'll see if I can hear her. I can't remember what to say Anymore. I don't want leaf leave. Fall in the wood. Fall in the wood down the stream. Like, like a mermaid's, mermaid's dream.
0: Like a mermaid's dream. Like a like mermaid. I sleep. Kind of got that lonesome night feel. I, li- I like that. That that turned out, I pro- I'm sure people who are like producers, production value-wise, are wincing. I mean, I don't even know if that qualifies as lo-fi, like a lot of uh, what we do here at the Nicho Legadura Institute and studio. Uh, that, that's not what we're at. With. It's the art. and And, and that was art. There's art there, and that that's what counts. Uh, yeah, before we uh, start up with Frank, I should probably... Uh, 1989, I, I got a little to say. You see, 1989 for me, when I think about it, I realize that was the end of a certain P.Q. River. That, 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 that person existed... In 1989, and that was the pinnacle, really, from 1990, that whole situation just kind of turned into whatever we have now, this P.Q. River. It's really hard to relate to P.Q. River of 1989. I was running the family business which I had taken over upon the demise of my grandfather in 1987. I was married. My son was a little over two years old. Um, things seemed to, that life was going to be this, 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 and I was going to be in that mattress factory, and I was uh, I was president of the local Lions Club in 1989. I mean, I was uh, the short hair and the suit and uh talking to quote-unquote important local people uh it was just a completely different pq river in 1989 than the one you know now um he would envy this pq river by the way there is no i have no nostalgia even though probably financially i was far sounder back then uh every other aspect of my life was something that I was like forcing myself to do to keep up some sort of, yeah, it's just, once I was married, I really felt I had to, you know, and that's the right, it's, that's the right attitude if you're going down that path is, you know, be the breadwinner and the good husband. And what uh, I, unfortunately, especially at that time, I don't think, I was capable. In 1989, I was all... That, that, uh, others felt differently. Uh, I waited online for the Batman movie. I know it's me, wait online for a movie. But I waited online patiently to see the first showing locally of the Batman movie. Because this was important. It was the Batman movie... Prince did the soundtrack. This was going to be just epically amazing beyond my wildest dreams, right? Right? Sure. No, 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 no. I was I might have been the only person who walked out of it kind of irked and disappointed. But I there I was. Uh, I mean, you it's I didn't like Michael Keaton. You could have put anybody in that suit uh and it wouldn't have made a difference it was all about that suit which was like a gundam suit and it wasn't even like batman anymore it was like whatever uh and the storytelling and jack nick i was so looking forward to jack nicholson as the joker and that makeup and that performance were so uh disappointing I. It, Jack Nicholson turned his, uh, levels up to about one and a half, uh, out of a possible 10 or 11, depending on your scale, and just meh, and terrible makeup job, uh, just meh, and the Prince contributions really didn't seem to fit, and it had beautiful design, that I will give it. But as a telling of Batman and the Batman movie uh, to this day, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, it's great design there. I like the Dick Tracy movie, but I think the Dick Tracy movie has more visual variety in its simplicity. Uh, although, both, I don't know. I think I'd watch Dick Tracy before I'd watch Batman. And Dick Tracy, I think, was the next year anyway. So that's totally immaterial because we're talking about 1989. And, uh, yeah, I'm done. Let's hand it over to Frank Edward Nora and uh, see what he's got to say.
3: You know, it's funny. 1989 feels like it's so strange in in the way I think about it because... When I think about the 80s, I think about the key years, you know, 80, 81, 82, 83, and then something really changes when 83, 84. And uh, the mid to later 80s are quite different in terms of their feeling. And 89 feels like the whole <coughs> the dream of the 80s and the zeitgeist of the 80s is just it has just fallen so far out of it just out of touch, out of repair. It sort of feels like Totally the end of an era. And meanwhile, when I think about 1990 or 1991, 92, 93, that's another sweet spot of really cool, amazing stuff. But 89, to me, I think it's because, I think it is because culturally, in musically, and in a lot of ways, it really was a transitional year. For me personally, it was, I think, one of the strangest years of, in my entire life. I, I mean, it was an absolutely bizarre year uh oh, anyway i just wanted to apologize uh the end of last uh, segment I, I think i was doing that thing where i was pausing and unpausing but I, it was there were only seconds left i'm like well there you go back to you pq that was like all i had left to say so sorry about that little technical glitch but yeah 89 for me absolutely bizarre so i was 21 years old when 89 started and i was 20 i turned 22 in uh in October of, of 1989, so I was still a very young man, and I was still in college. Just think about it. When, when 89 started, for example, um, like Ronald Reagan was still president. He was in Lame Duck, but he was still president for the first few weeks of 89 until his vice president, George Bush, took over as president, right? So can you imagine Reagan was still president in the beginning of 1989? And I was uh, in my final, my final stretch of college uh, for my bachelor of fine arts degree from New York University in film and television, and I graduated. Uh, but it was just very strange. I was living at that one seventy Thompson Street. I was actually just watching a video I made of on the roof, which I, which may be my next video release, the video rooftop concept. But anyway. Um, I was My roommate was this guy, Andrew, who was like a law student. And I actually have a video from when I moved out in 89. Really interesting to see the world there. But I, like, I, did, I just sort of feel like, you know, for example, recently, uh, all the videos I, I put out, the complete weird university from, eight, uh, you know, uh, September, October 86. And then earlier I did uh, the complete evil farm from January 1987. Those all felt like so vital of times for me. Like, the energy was flowing well. But by 89, I just get a weird feeling, a uh, completely weird feeling from that year. Um, just to give you a quick synopsis of what the hell, how did this happen, what happened in 89 for me? So, you know, I started my college career at Drew University in Madison, New Jersey there in September of 85. And I was just completely out of it, man. I was, like, very, I had, I had very bad acne, you know pimples and on my face and I was extremely like immature I just brought tons of comic books I wore pajamas the first day in college then afterwards I realized it probably wasn't a good idea I was very immature you know I was like a late bloomer and um you know I really I think that those those two years I drew were um well they were very strange themselves with all of the controversies that and so I started that anything but Monday radio show with Mad Mike and the magazine, and then the weird university videos, and all the controversies, almost getting kicked out of college, all in 1986, right? So 87, right? I I continued at Drew, but then my parents really were concerned that I wasn't really taking my education very seriously, and I and I transferred to NYU for the so in September of 87, I moved into that uh, the apartment, and I started going to NYU, and then 88 was a year. And we continued the radio show into 88. Mad Mike uh, graduated in, in, like, May of 1988 from Drew University. And uh, so we, we, we decided to make our Anything But Monday magazine a big, like, a publishing project, publish it as a real comic book. So we got an, thing was in 88, we got an office in Caldwell. We started it up as a real business, right? Back then, if you wanted to distribute a comic book, you had to solicit to 13 separate distributors across North America, Right. Excuse me, while I am puffing my cigar. Here, it's utterly frigid out here. It's it. has it, been snowing all day. It's freezing. Oh my god! The weather every day. The weather's like random. It, it's, it's like some days it's it's hot, then co- then freezing, then hot, then freezing. It's crazy. Anyway, so at the dawn of 1989, right? Uh, so also in '88, I, st- I started my internship at MTV News, right? And in the fall of '88, I. I did. I I was an intern at MTV News. It was such a cool internship. So anyway, because uh, the you know the school year goes from the September to then to, to the following May, right? So uh, the dawn of '89, right? I'm I'm going to school at NYU. I'm still living uh, on Thompson Street in in that apartment and finishing up film school. And it was so weird because like I graduated. I got my degree, but I I, I never felt that I really. Like, did it properly. I didn't have a a senior film because I transferred in. uh, I only had two years. Plus, the senior films were required some outside financing. You needed, like, thousands of extra dollars, I guess you would get from your parents or whoever, uh, to pay for your senior film. So I never made a senior film. But I, I graduated anyway. So I did feel pretty, like, alienated from the whole thing. I may have still been working at that copy center into in Boat's library. I'm not 100% sure. Um, and I was then commuting out over out to, to Caldwell to work on our magazine project, which was already, like, sort of... I believe we did ep- issue 1 in 88, and then 2 and 3 in early 89, if I'm not mistaken. And, and then, like, our numbers were so low, we had all these... Uh, so, um, we decided to bring in a business partner, this guy Jim Lord, a photographer who had a photography studio in Fairlawn, New Jersey. And he was running his business there with his girlfriend, Sandra. And uh, so we basically, like, became business partners. We actually signed papers and everything. It was, like, wild. And I was sort of almost, like, living at his photography studio. I had my Mac set up. I don't know why. uh, Maybe we got rid of the other office. I'm not sure. To save money, I'm I'm trying to remember the whole thing, but I was like, um, maybe it was after I I graduated. Yeah, because I remember graduation day. There was a picture last year or the year before in one of the show arts of me with a, I had really long hair in 89. And uh, there's a picture of me on graduation day there in, in Washington Square Park. It would have been April or May, I guess you graduate And then I moved out of the apartment and moved back to my parents' house in in Bridgewater, New Jersey. And uh, so I I think I was borrowing my grandfather's car, like a Peugeot or something. And uh, sometimes I would just, like, sleep. I had a sleeping bag. I would sleep at the photographer's studio because I was working so hard on the magazine. And we wound up just producing one final issue uh, of the magazine, like volume three, number one. Which was like a larger size, and it just—it was very elaborate. And um, e- eventually, the whole thing wound up just sort of collapsing. Like we were all at each other's throats. It was like it was like this in, this entire like insanity between me and Mike and Jim. And uh, and then so basically we were out of business by the end of the year, and uh, and I, I remember we had uh, I had a huge. Uh, amount of boxes of these this magazine that I put in... Actually, I put it <laughs> in my grandparents' yard. They had a, a trailer. My grandfather used to use... He had an actual trailer that was used as a construction office, and we kids used to go in there. So I just put, like, hun- thousands of issues of this thing in, in there. Eventually, I just... I brought some to Somerville to that guy, Alex, that had the comic store. I, I gave him, like, 10 boxes or 20 boxes of it I have no idea what ever happened to that. And then I whatever I had left over, at some point in the past 20 years, we, we dumped it in a recycling center, me and my father-in-law, Jack. And I, we just have a, a handful of issues left because I was storing these magazines that, that no one cared about, you know. Uh, there was a lot of other stuff going on. So, like, the entire year, there's all these things sort of overlaid. But that's that's generally the structure finishing up my college, really focusing on the magazine, and I did not have a, a, any other job other than I was trying to get this business off the ground, and it didn't work out. So finally, it all crashed out. By the end of 89, it was done. This project was kaput. was finished, and it was like, uh, it was really sad, really, in a way, that, you know, we were trying to, to change direction, right? We uh, There was this sort of burgeoning stand-up comedy sort of had come back in a big way so we called our magazine The Laugh Magazine it was going to be a comedy magazine and we did did have interviews with um, we had interviews with comedians a guy named uh, Billy J, and then also what was the other guy's name oh I can't remember his name but he but I actually when I was on that cruise ship he was the comedian on the cruise ship and he remembered me and the photo sessions for the magazine I'll I'll remember his name Uh, Jim David his name was Jim David Remember, I, I went on that, the Anthem of the Seas, maybe about five years ago or six years ago. He was the comedian on the ship. and He's like, oh, yeah, that, those were my first uh, publicity shots for your magazine. Um, did I interview? I, I'm trying to think who. I interviewed one of them, and then uh, Jim Lord interviewed uh, maybe Billy J or something. I, I forget who who interviewed who, but... But yeah I mean it was uh it was just sort of a, a bad I mean it, it was sort of a a last gasp for our our concept of, of a magazine business. Now, I mean, I don't know why like our sales were just really low because I mean obviously it was something a bit out of the ordinary. It wasn't just a comic book, it was like a com it started off as a comic book size, but it was and it had comics, but it was a whole variety thing, almost like a mad magazine kind of thing, all these different features. And I do think we were way ahead of our time in, in, in many ways. Um, so, yeah, my computer back then, I still... I, I had the, uh, the Mac Plus, and I think I got that... When did I get that? It was around that time, so I, it was pretty new when I got it. I may have actually gotten it that year. It was a Macintosh Plus. It had one megabyte of memory. And I bought a 20 megabyte hard drive that cost about $500. And um, it was a great computer. I loved it and used it for a number of years. Um, eventually, I got it upgraded to four megabytes of RAM. I probably did that in '89, too. Went down to Somerville, a place right next to the comic shop. He installed the, the four megabytes, the three additional megabytes of RAM for me. And he was a guy that had uh, hung out with the Beatles in, in Hamburg, Germany. You know, he was like a, like a stagehand or a technician or something. Hold on, I'm trying to. Hold on, we're talking. <laughs> anyway, um, so that was the trajectory of the year, and it was just. And then in 1990, I got a job in prepress, and really down, uh, down on uh, Houston by uh, by sp- uh, spring. Yeah, one fifty Varick. Sorry, <laughs> Varick, not Houston. Varick. Varick and Spring it was 150 Varick Street. So it was not a job in the film industry, even though I went for film and television. Apparently, one of my classmates was Vince Gilligan who went on to create Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, but I have no memory of him or anyone named Vin or Vinnie Gilligan or anything. At least someone in my class amounted to something film 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 and television wise. Wow, it's really windy out here. Wow. But, yeah, really, that MTV internship, like, I was in the news department, and I was working with um, this guy John Norris, who was uh, one of the anchors back then, and uh, Kurt Loder was there, so I knew Kurt Loder. And, um, you know, I was just a really bad intern. Like, I would go down to the... I'd have to a lot of what an intern did was oh my god look at this blast of wind I was basically like a messenger I was sent on all these messenger missions sometimes I would go down to the uh, um, the studio where they filmed everything which was way down the street it was like on 12th Avenue or something on way down there and I would just hang out in the reception area they had video games they had Atari's Arabian remember that video game And and I remember downtown Julie Brown was there like just babbling to herself I didn't even talk to her Thirty-eight special walked in the van, and um, but and sometimes I would I would I would just go out for for a mission, and then I would go to the Broadway arcade on there on Broadway and fifty something or play video games f- for hours, and so I was like such a bad intern. They they wanted to fire me, even though I was unpaid. But I sort of begged and pleaded, and they allowed me to continue on. So even afterwards, at some point, I went back there just to see if they had any jobs. They're like, yeah, no, we don't have anything for you, Frank. I did not make a very good impression on them at MTV. But I did finagle them to do a story on our Anything But Monday magazine number two with the red cover. And uh, so they, they did uh, they did it. And apparently a lot of people in prison, especially federal prison, so they actually gave our address to order the magazine. So a lot of people in federal prison um, uh wrote to get our magazine. Somehow they were allowed to get our magazine. And then we had prisoners, in, these guys in federal prison doing art for us and stuff for the last issue. We had a thing called prison scene. I don't think I ever returned their artwork because I, I, I still haven't returned all the artwork. I don't think I ever will. I felt really bad because sort of the company collapsed and I had all this stuff that I, I really wasn't emotionally ready to deal with. Um, I think I actually... Kept getting bills from the Associated Printers out in, uh, so it's North or South Dakota. Um, we 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 had a balance, and I eventually paid it off. I, it was like hundreds of, or if not thousands of dollars, and I did eventually pay it off because they kept. I had a PO box in 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 in, where, in the town where my parents lived, and uh, they would. And I, I you know I'm sure I could have skipped out on it. I mean we basically went out of business. You know. Uh, But something else that happened in '89 was that we, Mike and I, got contacted from this MTV to Go magazine. And this guy, Mark Robert, <coughs> who was uh, a yeah, who had worked at <coughs> National Lampoon <coughs> and was in with the whole National Lampoon thing, and he was friends with Gilbert Gottfried, and I met Gilbert a few times in this guy's office, just hanging out. I mean, I think, I think I came across as a complete weirdo. No one was like, hey, Frank, it was a cool meeting. We should hang out. Everyone was like like really freaked out. I, I don't know. I, I just did not make a. I, I don't know. I was very bizarre back then, all right? Um, it was just a very bizarre personality. It's weird. But there seemed to be so many opportunities that were just sort of lost and squandered. So by the, the end of 89, everything had crashed out. Uh, we did a f- we did writing for a few issues of this MTV to go magazine, which was a uh, an MTV magazine related to the BMG, Bertelsmann Music Group. You know, get 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 twenty CD- CDs. <laughs> they did have CDs back then, but you know, get twenty records or cassettes for a penny. You know, th- that whole scam that used to be. So they they had this MTV Record Club, and apparently my wife Denise did join that, and she got that magazine. So she may may have seen my. Uh, she may have seen my, my articles long before we met. Uh, some people high up in the organization hated our writing so much, but Mark Robert wanted to keep supporting us. He was told to fire us, but he, he kept us on and changed our names to Mike Masters and Fred Norman just, just, just so he could satisfy the higher-up people who wanted us fired. You know is a trend here finally we get an i I'm working at MTV. t v i we're on an, we're writing for an actual commercial magazine, and all the time they want to get us we want to be fired okay <laughs> I'm laughing but i it, it does seem like imagine if we had just sort of you know but i mean we were just doing our thing i mean our writing was very bizarre, and I do think ahead of its time in some ways um but it, none of this stuff was a good fit nothing was a good fit for me back then, okay.
0: Yeah, you. you uh, the nineteen eighty nine was some height of self publishing on that level of the pre internet zines. I mean, the self published comic comics was more of a, well, I don't know. Yeah, late eighties. You're right. I'm I'm confused. I mean, then of course you know I'm thinking maybe Image Comics, which wasn't even that much later than what we're talking about here it was some sort of boom of creativity and I mean yeah you got to work at MTV and all that that's just uh remarkable um the 1989 was the end of a lot of times uh oh yeah uh well I did a zine also but it was just for fun and kicks and yeah, there was the big box at the end that got given away and thrown out. Yeah, mine was called Cluttered Mind and it was just, you know, fun pop culture the zine type thing that someday I should dig out and uh stick online. Uh it yeah, highlighted by uh by uh, correspondence with a real serial killer. Oh boy. Yeah, ill advised. Things that sound like they were a good idea and then uh, maybe weren't. And yeah, we, Frank and I exhibit similar uh, arrested development symptoms. Uh, mine still, many of them might persist well into the present. Uh, some have just died slowly and hard. Uh, yeah, 1989 was definitely this like as far as like he was saying at the beginning there with the the 80s were so brittle and the, the 1989 was like this death of all things 80s somehow and it really did have this like feeling of this yeah that well that that would wasn't that uh, ill-fated woodstock in 1989 also yeah it was just a bizarro
3: year now, I'm trying to remember, because I, I had a girlfriend at NYU named Shannon, and I don't know if I was still together with her in 89, but she broke up with me as well. <laughs> and that was it for Girlfriends in 89. And it's interesting, because I do have a lot of... T- I, d- I was recording tapes in 89, like of my dreams and stuff. I think I released some of those on Tapeland. There's some stuff from 89 uh, in terms of tapes and stuff, but... I think that was also when I was, uh, I'm trying to think it was 88 or 89 when I did those Noyage tapes. I'd have to look it up. Like, uh, I was, I was, It was sort of the precursor to my Obliviana system, but it was this whole weird supernatural game system. and I, I was just like, right, Nomadi, that was Nomadi Entertainment, that was the whole thing. It was just delusional, overblown, weird, but somewhat fascinating looking back on it. is pretty good. What is it, Bolivar? What kind of cigar is this? Bolivar. Nice. It's a nice, creamy cigar. Delicious. Um, so the mtv to go magazine <laughs> <and> then also. <laughs> it's like so much stuff happened. Uh, but I just remember sort of the iconic sleeping on the floor of the photographer's studio. And I had this cool little... Uh, Device. It was a TV and a radio and an alarm clock and a, and a telephone, all in one. And some episode of the Overnight Escape within the past couple of years, I found the exact model of that thing. And I would I would just like watch. I would just watch TV, black and white, laying on the floor. <laughs> it was very strange. I do have one video, which would have been from '89, of us doing a, a photo shoot with this model and uh, that that wound up being on the cover of she was like wearing lingerie on the cover of uh, the, the final issue there um, and then there was a an, me and uh, Jim and Sandra went up to visit this friend of his and uh, there was and I have a video of going to this guy's house and there was this whole like subtext of what was going on, like I and I remember driving up there, and I always was trying to retrace, like where did we go? Somewhere up in Pompton Lakes or Pompton Plains or one of those towns in New Jersey, because uh, also up there lived uh, this. Uh, her name was Candy Zerfe. I'll never forget this that she was one of the writers on the magazine, and and her her boyfriend. They they were both like complete like ex hippies, and um, apparently she was caught printing out stuff for the magazine and was like fired from her job then we tried contacting them they wouldn't answer the phone they like if we if we sent them any mail it would be it would be sent back unaccepted like we pissed these listen i don't know what was going on back then i was like pissing everyone off back then all right it was really really Ugh. at least my parents let me live at home but i don't think they were very happy about it finally moved out in like 92 or 93 to my own apartment and I, i i did never went back i was able to pay for my own apartment, you know, because I, I did go through a few uh, stretches of unemployment, but almost always I was working the whole time, in and, and the printing industry, then publishing, and then marketing, and now in luxury. So you know, I've always worked. I'm pretty frigid out here, anyway. Um, so we went up to this guy's house. Right? And I have a video of it. And uh, I think this guy may have been the guy who put an ad on the back of the magazine for these guitars. I think he was importing them from China or something. I don't know. But this guy, his, uh, his son, I guess, had had uh, committed suicide. And Jim was saying, like, halfway through the time we were there, he's like, oh, yeah, you really remind him of, of his dead son. It was like this weird subtext, it was like really uncomfortable. I was like reminding him of his dead son. It was like weird stuff. I, I don't know. And 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 again, if you look at it, this is where, um, I started to get, obviously, in with seemingly some opportunities and some contacts. And by the end of the year, it was all exploded and blown up and gone. It was like it was so weird. I mean, uh, it did seem that from there we should be able to, to to move on to bigger and better things, but it just it just crashed out. Totally. Also, it had to be in 89. I was, uh, we were contacted by these guys. Another, another pair of wild and crazy guys, I don't remember their names, who were starting a public access comedy show in, I don't know how they found us, a, a, a public access comedy show in Long Island, and they wanted us to write for it. And, uh, Mike met with him a few times, but he kind of dropped out. And then I wrote these, like, super elaborate scripts that made no sense. And so, so that wasn't a good fit either. But th- th- that was the script that wound up being um, the Kill the Pompous Foreigners and uh, what was it? The, the, um, the Cure for Cancer. And, and, I, and, I, I, after, and I talked about this on my show a while back. I retrofitted those to be the four Joey stories, you know, um, with Chaz and Teddy. Uh, the four Joey video that you can see on uh, Early Echoes Fusing, one of the videos I released. Um, that was another thing that happened. It was just wow. But yeah, so it was uh yeah it was during so so Reagan and that and then Bush, the first Bush, <coughs> and uh his vice president was uh Dan Quayle, right? And um, something else that happened that for for the magazine, Mike and I, there's so much stuff that I have. I'm just doing this for I'm, I'm not looking anything up because I, I knew 89 is this freaking insanity. We heard about um, that for the 20th anniversary of Woodstock, right? So it was August something, mid-August uh, 89. There was nothing planned, but up in Bethel, New York, where the original Woodstock was, people started going to the site and it became like this huge thing. There were like thousands of people there. So we went up there one day and we, we recorded interviews with people and that audio has been online for a long time. We took pictures and that was like an iconic, an iconic uh, uh, moment and the recordings are just amazing. Uh, hold on a second. Um. So then it got it got dark, and we started driving home down, down the New York State Thruway. Again, I was driving, like, my grandfather's my father's car or something, or my father. It was like an old – I had these two hatchbacks. One was a silver Volvo. One was a silver Peugeot. I was just borrowing these cars. So anyway, me and Mike are driving. I remember it was like a – th- I think it was like a lunar eclipse that night or something. And we're driving. It's like a very clear night, quiet, clear summer night. And we finally left Woodstock, and Woodstock 89, we're driving down to Thruway in the middle of nowhere, and we hear this crunch, crunch, crunch ka kachunk, kachunk. chunk chunk and like, apparently what happened is like the back axle of the car just deteriorated and fell apart. Luckily, I don't know how the hell, we, we were by an exit, I guess, we pulled into some kind of weird office plaza. And somehow we, we found a phone and we we're, were able to call Jim and, and ask him to come pick us up. Which was <laughs> like hours of drive. He was so pissed off. He was already tired of us at that point. <laughs> so we had to come pick us up and like a dead silence the whole drive back. And then we had to call a tow truck or whatever. And I don't know. To get the car. Oh, my God. I had a lot of breakdowns, you know. I don't know if it was the same car that probably was 89 when I, when I broke down driving down uh, Route 280 and Mike had to come rescue me. I ran out of gas. That's a, I just completely ran out of gas. And, and we had to, like, go, like, climb up this hill and go to this gas station and get gas. It was, like, insane. And I, I, I don't know. It, may, it was probably the next year that I went out to Bethlehem, PA, with my, uh, my light blue diesel Volkswagen Rabbit and that's the whole tale of the Apple Rabbit when I was I called it an Apple Rabbit instead of Volkswagen Rabbit but anyway the car broke down that was a that was a busted head gasket <laughs> and I was actually going out there to return artwork to one of the artists so it probably was 1990 this guy whose uh, pen name was Tweed Casket and and I returned his artwork and he's like oh yeah you know I never realized it was published I'm glad I used a pen name cuz you know like I'm a teacher now, and I wouldn't want anyone to know I was working on such offensive stuff. <laughs> I don't know how offensive it was. He's like, I'm glad I used the Tweed Casket, a uh, pen pen name, because this stuff is too offensive for uh, you know, <laughs> freaking 1989. The hell, man. I I mean, it's I mean, looking back on it, it is just a weird. But it was like clearing, it, w- it, w- it was like everything I had, it was like, like just imagine someone was like throwing everything off a table, it was like that, it was like everything, by by the end of that year, it was a complete reset, in a way, it was wild, um, and then I kind of descended into my semi-delusional Obliviana work, uh, eventually it became called Obliviana, and I didn't really snap out of it until 2003 when I started the overnightscape, which wasn't that many. It was like 13 years later, you know, obviously. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it was quite a year. Quite a freaking year. Now, what about pop culture and history and stuff? So, again, 89 was, uh, you know, for example, when you want to listen to 80s music and you look at a playlist, right, there's so much crappy music from the later 80s, All the good stuff is like in the earlier 80s, right? A lot of it's in the earlier 80s. I would say in 89, uh, in the later 80s, a lot of really good rap and hip-hop stuff was coming out. Um, I'm trying to think what music I was even into back then. I think I was into... uh, Because, you see, I remember at MTV someone uh, had gotten De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising, and and they were playing it, and I just kind of didn't really understand it at the time. Um. So, so it really was <laughs> the era. <coughs> I mean, of those of those hair bands, <coughs> right? The big hair bands, Poison and all them, that was just about to end with the st- the grunge, the rumblings of grunge. I think had just started, but they really it didn't really break out yet. I mean, Nirvana's never mind uh, was that big explosion of grunge was in '91. So it was kind of like the end of an era, uh, musically speaking, uh, as well. All right, let me go inside to finish this up, because it is just freezing out here. Mm -hmm. Hold on a second. All right, let's go down here. But also, I think I did actually, I was getting into uh, what they were calling a, a techno back then, like the techno music, right? I think I was starting to because I do believe, um, I'm trying to remember, one of those years, I'm not sure which one it was, but 89 may have been involved, <laughs> as in it could have been New Year's. 88 into 89 or 89 into 90. Uh, I guess it could have been 90 to 91. I'm trying to remember, but uh, that guy, Martin from Silicon Valley, who you may have seen uh, or heard on the uh, exit ramp recently, I met him at when uh, I was selling comic books at one of the local, ho- like the, the, on these little hotels on these, probably on like Route 46 or something. Fred Greenberg had these. Uh, comic conventions, these smaller comic conventions, which kind of took over one one of the sort of, like, uh, you know, rental halls in these hotels. And I was selling uh, comic books, and I, I, I did it a couple times, and, you know, I was basing my prices on the price guys, and people were laughing at my prices, and it was like uh, <coughs> I realized that my comic collection was worthless at that point, so I was kind of sad. But we wound up going to the Limelight nightclub, and they didn't let us in cuz I cuz we didn't have the right kind of shoes or something but eventually we snuck in. And uh, and uh LA Style was playing. You know, James Brown is dead. That song. <laughs> right. But I'm trying to remember like television-wise, I don't know if I was watching a lot of TV at that point. Um because the that again the magic of the early '80s and um, <clears throat> you know uh, the Letterman I think was was still probably good but those magic days of the early the early days of Letterman were were kind of long gone and I was absolutely that would that would have been a great year for Howard Stern and I definitely was a big Howard Stern listener '89 uh, and then into in, into the early '90s it was like sort of the the prime time for Howard Stern. But I'm trying to think about big music, big movies, what movies came out in 89. Yeah, it just, i doesn't really sort of, I don't really, I'm not getting much of a signal. I think music-wise, again, um, when I look back at, you know, the rave era of music is one of my favorite eras of music that's not really well understood by most people. Um, like, I follow the band Alternate on... uh They had, like, one album, but such incredible songs. And I was buying those uh, CD compilations of techno. Just whatever I could find in U.S. record stores. And uh, I think we got... I'm trying to remember. um, Yeah, because once I moved out of the... uh, I'm trying to think here. I I set up my... I think, yeah, once I I was done with uh, Jim Lord, which would have been sometime in... I'm trying to think the uh, cuz in August I think we we were still very much um August of 89 we, we still were working with Jim Lord but I don't know at some point I would have moved my computer back to my parents' house and I had a one of the rooms in the basement I set up as my studio and you can actually see that room in uh, the Bublin A Richardson video uh I had all sorts of like printouts on the walls and that and that was when I uh, and I, I'm trying, see, cause that was in 91. So I'm not sure how set up it was, but eventually I had a photocopier in the basement and my Mac with the image writer too. So I had like an entire print shop set up and it was like a complete uh, print shop where, and I felt I almost was sort of like resonating back to the earliest days of, of printers and like, um, so I could, uh. In that one room, I could do it all. I could design on the Mac. I could print out on the image writer. I could paste stuff up. And then I could uh, photocopy these little magazines, these experimental magazines I was doing. I'm um, I just i I'm not really remembering the exact cadence of it, but there was uh, Red Alley Earth. And then, wait, I'm trying to think. Red Alley Earth. There were like these 11 by 17 sheets folded lengthwise then, then I would tie it up and I drilled a hole in it and I I put like yarn in there and I tied it up like a scroll. It was like this whole experimental thing. I, I may have done one of those in 89, I'm not sure. Uh, but the basement, like uh, the basement, my parents' basement, I had everything set up there. And I definitely was addicted to Tetris, the uh, Mac um, desk accessory version of Tetris. <clears throat> that would have probably been 89 Right, uh, Tetris for the original Mac. Hey, kitty! There's a kitty on my lap. Vegas. I still have my coat on. Um, it came. It was an actual program, but it also was a desk accessory. Which uh, in the early days of the Mac OS, right, you could only run one program at a time. So when you launched a program, it closed the Finder, right. And then when you quit it, the Finder came back. But these desk accessories were like what eventually became known as widgets. And now widgets are kind of a thing of the past, but um, you could play it while you were running another program. And I was so addicted to Tetris that uh, I had to uninstall it a few times because it was just too much. But, you know, I, I had writing from back then, and I was just sort of feverishly trying to create things in all different media. And this was sort of the beginning of this... I would say a time where I was just completely, you know, I went from having act actually paid work in the magazine, a nationally distribu- distributed magazine. We were working for MTV to Go magazine, working at MTV and seeing celebrities in the hall. Like, oh, here comes Phil Collins going down, walking down the hall, and of course my run-in with They Might Be Giants, which probably was in it in '89, where I was sort of rambling and to them, and they sort of were angry because th- they needed the time to write a song. So they kind of pissed me off, and I would piss them off. Do you notice a trend I, that at somehow in 89, I was like, I had all these opportunities, but I just wound up like upsetting and pissing everyone off around me at, the, at that time. <laughs> it is really weird. So then I really kind of... Um, Mike and I kind of went our separate ways and by the end of 89, it was sort of, the whole thing sort of collapsed. And uh, so, yeah, I was just, I kept the name Nomadi Entertainment and I, you know, eventually I I came up with the name Obliviana, but, um, yeah, I was writing, I was writing the severe repair science fiction stories, I was writing poetry, I was, and, uh, you know, these, making these experimental publications and, I was just sort of weirdly sidelined from what could have been, which I think if 89 had gone a different way. And I I don't think that whatever state of mind I was in, whatever made me so weird, I don't think there was really any particular way I was going to be able to capitalize on these opportunities. But it was kind of, again, in retrospect, it did, it did seem like all the stuff was falling in our lap, and then we just sort of pissed it all away. Maybe it was for the best. I mean, you know, because I do see that 89 as a year of great, um, what would you say, that was a, like, there definitely was, like, branchings from that year, right? Um, My, you know, you might imagine that that could have branched out to me, you know, really capitalizing on those opportunities and moving in in a different direction, but man, I did not, and uh so I think that the the blowout of eighty nine really is is uh you know did lead directly here to what we have here right now, the onsug and uh <clears throat> this what I think is a it's it's this strange underground project that is so huge and so amazing it has its roots right in that in that year because Right, had I moved in a more traditional direction, I don't think Avery would have arrived here. I wouldn't even have started the overnight escape. I don't even know. It's it's so strange to think that without that clean slate or that complete blowout, what would have happened? I don't know. But I'm sure I forgot some stuff from '89. But there is a lot, a lot of '89 stuff. Wow. I still get a weird feeling thinking back to that time. And I'm sure I'll find more videos from 89 and the the writings from 89. So I do still have a lot of stuff preserved from that time. So we shall see. Uh, But yeah, that's my view on 1989. Back to you, PQ.
0: Yes, sir. I'd forgotten that Frank and I were probably in that same Woodstock field at the same time at that 20th anniversary of Woodstock gathering. Uh, it just... Well, I was there because it wasn't far from my house, and it was just where we regularly hung out and went to smoke a little dope uh, now and then to begin with. So, uh, yeah, that was a great little gathering. And the next year the Woodstock site would become part of a whole other thing that would lead to other things, but that's a whole other story. I mean that this is but I, I have to stop and take a breath and that this all of this was thirty three years ago is just it mind boggling in a real sense. I mean, time that much of it has gone by and point 1989 indeed uh well work uh, saves lives of people like us frank uh when everything falls apart we still are able to pull it together and go to work and uh without that survival skill i for sure would not be here uh in any way shape or form i can tell you that I mean, Dan Quayle. God, it, it, I I I had just about forgotten the very existence of Dan Quayle, and there he was, uh, just coming out of the past, like the bad dream that he always was. Uh, so, so there was 1989, and uh, another fine central and uh we're back on the monday schedule boys and girls uh which i hope doesn't ruin anybody else's life now but we always have the famous follow-up system and the quake reversal satellite should get percolating again uh soon if we get everything back in order uh things should fall into place for stuff or new stuff you never know because things at this very moment in the, uh, Nicho Legatura Institute and its programs and projects are shifting all over the place merrily in a good way, not in a, uh, troubling way at all. And I think the results, uh, will be dandy, uh, so to speak. Anyways, uh, next week, speaking of on this here program the overnight scape central uh i'm extending my invitation as i do eve every week but this week that th- write down the email address and uh, sometime before next monday which is uh what the 28th yeah the 28th of march 2022 uh you should get it To me by about 7 p.m. Mountain time, uh, give or take, you know that that it's flexible here to that degree, and uh, you will be included because we are going to be making a concerted effort to be doing this on Mondays. The topic for next week's show is seeing. Yeah, seeing. Well, I'm getting. I, I hope by next Monday, I will have my new prescription of glasses, and if I don't, I will have suffered a lack of seeing, and uh, of course we can be talking about the metaphysical seeing and seer stuff, and uh, that's the topic, and make of it what you will. You are invited to do that verbally right here next week on the Overnightscape Central. And uh, the email address that you will need to uh, transmit your ideas this way is t o r c at com. I'll say that once more apqr.torc at gmail.com and that's for all contact with uh, myself and these programs that we do here our outreach program and um Wow. Uh, I got to thank uh, Eddie, and I got to thank Doc, and I got to thank Frank, and I got to thank you for this week's show. And uh, did it? Yeah, I think I gave you everything you need to know. We'll be seeing <laughs> you uh, with any luck next week. Right here, and uh this has been another good one. We're back on track with everything uh and don't forget that exit ramp uh got five hours on seventies movies a remarkable program so so far we've done over eight hours in the last couple months on 70s movies and i don't feel like i'm done with the subject yet but that's a whole other thing for perhaps some quake reversal exploration in the meantime uh let us get back to whatever it is that we do and set the controls for the heart of the fun